Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Easter Sunday. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who on this day, through your only begotten Son, have conquered death and unlocked for us the path to eternity. Grant, we pray, that we who keep the solemnity of the Lord's resurrection may, through the renewal brought by your Spirit, rise up in the light of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Peter addressed Cornelius and his household. You must have heard about the recent happenings in Judea, about Jesus of Nazareth, and how he began in Galilee after John had been preaching baptism. God had anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and because God was with him, Jesus went about doing good and curing all who had fallen into the power of the devil. Now I, and those with me, can witness to everything he did throughout the countryside of Judea and in Jerusalem itself, and also to the fact that they killed him by hanging him on a tree. Yet three days after God raised him to life and allowed him to be seen, not by the whole people, but only by certain witnesses God had chosen beforehand. Now we are those witnesses. We have eaten and drunk with him after his resurrection from the dead, and he had ordered us to proclaim this to his people, and to tell them that God has appointed him to judge everyone, alive or dead. It is to him that all the prophets bear this witness, that all who believe in Jesus will have their sins forgiven through his name. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his love has no end. Let the sons of Israel say, his love has no end. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. The Lord's right hand has triumphed. His right hand raised me up. I shall not die. I shall live and recount his deeds. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the work of the Lord, a marvel in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Colossians. Since you have been brought back to true life with Christ, you must look for the things that are in heaven, where Christ is, sitting at God's right hand. Let your thoughts be on heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, because you have died. And now the life you have is hidden with Christ in God. But when Christ is revealed, and he is your life, you too will be revealed in all your glory with him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Christians, to the paschal victim, offer sacrifice and praise. The sheep are ransomed by the Lamb, and Christ, the undefiled, hath sinners to his Father reconciled. Death with life contented, 
combat strangely ended. Life's own champion, slain, yet lives to reign. Tell us, Mary, say what thou did see upon the way. The tomb the living did enclose. I saw Christ's glory as he rose. The angels there attesting, shroud with grave clothes resting. Christ, my hope, has risen. He goes before you into Galilee. That Christ is truly risen from the dead we know. Victorious King, thy mercy show. Alleluia, alleluia. Christ has become our paschal sacrifice. Let us feast with joy in the Lord. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. It was very early on the first day of the week and still dark when Mary of Magdala came to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been moved away from the tomb and came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, she said, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter set out with the other disciple to go to the tomb. They ran together, but the other disciple, running faster than Peter, reached the tomb first. He bent down and saw the linen cloths lying on the ground, but did not go in. Simon Peter, who was following, now came up, went right into the tomb, saw the linen cloths on the ground, and also saw the cloth that had been over his head. This was not with the linen cloths, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. Till this moment they failed to understand the teaching of Scripture, that he must rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's funny, for me, um, when I'm preparing a homily, all I need is an idea, and that's the hard part. I need some kind of hook, something that really kind of grabs me and, and really presents the whole meaning of the scriptures for me. And once I've got that, the rest, it kind of happens. Now, I remember uh, a few Easter Sundays ago. Uh, it was morning. We had, you know, the Easter vigil and I was sort of pottering around the presbytery and I was just scratching for the idea for the homily. Where was the hook? Nothing was really sort of speaking to me. Uh, and there was a point where I was getting just a little bit panicky <laughs> because the time for Mass was getting closer and closer. Um, I jumped online and, you know, I went into the rabbit warren that is YouTube and I started watching a couple of clips. And there was one that really struck me. Uh, and at that moment, it was just absolutely clear. Here was my Easter homily. So I preached about the story that was contained in the YouTube clip. Now, I don't quite know why, but this has been on my mind a little bit in the last few days. So maybe there's a little bit of a Holy Spirit moment here. Maybe I've got to tell it again. So from time to time, you know, we priests are called to the emergency room in order to provide sacraments to those who are dying uh, and to pray and to give comfort to the family. Well, in 2008, a young American priest by the name of Father Thomas Vanderwoody was called to the emergency room of Prince William Hospital in Virginia. 
You see, a father had drowned, trying to save his son. And as he was driving to the hospital, he received a phone call. Something tragic's happened to Dad. The family he was going to visit in the hospital was his own. And the son his father saved was his youngest brother, Joseph. You see, the father, Tom, and Joseph, his son, were working together on the farm when Joseph fell into the septic tank. Mary Ellen, Joseph's mother, heard him calling and she rushed over to see Joseph covered in sewage and Tom, her husband, in the sewage, pushing him up out of the tank. She clasped Joseph to hold him up, but whether he was overcome by sheer exhaustion or by the fumes of the tank, Tom sank beneath the sewage. There was nothing to hold on to, there was nothing to grip. And when the emergency services arrived, Tom had been underwater for 20 minutes. They tried to revive him, but the ambulance officer said to Mary Ellen, your husband has gone. It's an incredible story of sacrifice. Of a man who's unwilling to live at the expense of his son. So dedicated and loving to his boy, he dove into the sewage in which he found himself and lifted him up by allowing himself to sink into death. Now surely we can see in this great act of heroism an image of Christ. All of humanity has fallen into the septic tank. You, me, our loved ones, all of us. We're all covered in the sewage of sin and we're all sinking. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. The son of God dives into the septic tank with us in order to save us from death. And so perfect is his love that he is willing to sink beneath the sewage of sin and suffer the consequence of our having fallen into the septic tank. Greater love than this has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. Now, I haven't told you the whole story yet. There's one detail that I've left out. Now, this detail should be irrelevant. But we live in a cold and cruel world. So sadly, this detail makes the story appear even more extraordinary. You see, Joseph has Down syndrome. In talking about his dad's death, Father Thomas, the priest, said, Some might say, your dad... What a waste. I mean, Josie's Down syndrome, what can he do? He added, There are people who might really say that, but my dad wouldn't say that. He loved his sons, and he would have done it for any one of us. The quality of this love is truly beautiful and moving. But it has a rather stale name. It's called disinterested love. Now, it's not uninterested love, as if we couldn't care less either way. No, it's disinterested love. A love that doesn't look to my own interests, my own advantage, but a love that looks entirely toward the other, to the beloved. I love you, and I seek your good. 
to Tom Vanderwoody, the fact that Joseph had Down syndrome was completely beside the point. He was in trouble, so Tom dove in. Another of Tom's sons, Chris, made the point that it wasn't about Dad. He was going to sacrifice himself and do whatever was necessary for everybody else around him. You see, Tom Vanderwoody shared in the quality of God's love. God loves us in a disinterested way. There's nothing we can do for him. He needs us for nothing. We add nothing to his greatness or his glory. He loves you. He loves me, not for his sake, but for ours. So much so that when we fell into the septic tank, he dove in after us. There's a beautiful story recalled by Daniel, still another one of Tom's sons. He said that Joseph was delayed in his development and he needed special help to go through those phases that we ordinarily pass through quite quickly. So when Joseph had to learn to crawl, Tom made long socks for his own arms so that he could crawl around with Joseph. Daniel said, that's my dad. He raised all these kids and now he's crawling on the floor with Joseph. Can you see Jesus in this image? Can you see him preaching the Sermon on the Mount? Can you see him healing the blind, the deaf, the lame? Can you see God himself crawling round with human beings, trying to teach us how to live, preaching to us the most basic essence of what it means to be good? Forgive. Love your neighbour, love your enemy, love God with everything, with all your heart, soul and mind. The very basics, pointing us toward the good so that we might learn how to crawl. Why does Tom crawl around with Joseph? Was it in the hope that one day Joseph might become a great banker and make him a whole lot of money? In the hope that one day Joseph might become a literary great and make Tom famous? No, he crawls around with Joseph for Joseph. Just as Christ lived and died for us. There's no advantage for him. Nothing to add to his glory. It's for us. Purely for us. Today, we celebrate the deepest reality of the universe. Love is more powerful than death. Love is more powerful because God is love. Death doesn't have the last word. Love is the last word. Jesus now lives. He is alive and his tomb is empty. And we have the supreme and sure hope that love lifts us out of the septic tank. So how do we live? In the revelation of Christ's resurrection and his all-conquering love, how do we live? The resurrection of Christ isn't some distant historical detail that bears no impact on our daily existence. You know, knowing that Brutus assassinated Julius Caesar on the Ides of March, it doesn't change my life. It doesn't change my daily existence. And yet, the resurrection of Christ isn't just some historical tidbit to trot out on Trivial Pursuit Nights. 
It's an event that changes everything. Knowing that the grave isn't a prison cell, but a gate which leads to God, means that I can imitate Christ in his disinterested love. Knowing that Jesus is the one who pulls me out of the septic tank of death means that my life is no longer about drowning slowly in sewage. My life is no longer about my own interests, my own survival, my pleasure, my power, my esteem, my wealth. My life finds its centre outside of me because I now cling with all of my life to Christ. And I can now serve others because he loves me. And if in my serving and loving, I sink too beneath the sewage, that's okay. Because I know my Redeemer lives. There's another word for disinterested love. It's freedom. Free from my own selfish preoccupations. Free from my own narrow horizons. Tom Vanderwoody was truly free in diving after his son. No thought of himself held him back. Jesus was truly free as he climbed Calvary. He said to himself, he said so himself to his disciples, no one takes my life from me, I lay it down by my own free will. Love will not be conquered by sin. And life will not be conquered by death. So why should we fear either sin or death? Why should I be so attracted by sin and drawn away from love? Why should the fear of death keep me from the fullness of life? Today, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And this changes everything. It has shifted, radically shifted, the centre of my life outside of myself. With confidence in Christ, who rescues us from death, we can now live entirely for him and entirely for others. The risen Jesus has conquered death and made disinterested love the path to true freedom. Knowing the new life promised by Christ, a horizon beyond my immediate experience, then the goal of my life needn't be my self-preservation or the pursuit of pleasure. In the resurrection, my life finds its meaning. I find my true freedom in the greatest commandment. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And you must love your neighbour as yourself. Thanks for praying with us. And may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.